As I, uh, as I already kind of warned you, we're going to begin a new study today, the study of 1 John. And we're, gonna, we're just going to work our way through it. You can read it in probably, depending upon your reading spree, speed, probably between 30, and, and 30 minutes an hour you can read this. We're going to spend months on it because I love the way John writes. Now, we know a little bit about John in from the Gospels. And Jesus calls him and his brother James the sons of thunder. So Jesus sees something in John that we don't because as we look at the Gospels and, and look at, at, at really Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, John seems to be the introspective, quiet one most of the time. Uh, in fact, in his Gospel in John, he never refers to himself by name. He just calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. So, so John is, it seems to be this, this careful, introspective guy, yet Jesus called him one of the sons of thunder. So he, clearly Jesus saw something in him that we can pick out of his writings. John, in, he wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote these pastoral letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And he wrote Re- Revelation, the book of Revelation. And he re- writes very, very carefully. He writes, he chooses words and case and gender and, and such in the, in the original Greek very carefully. And we're going to see that as we study our way through today. Uh, somebody once said that, that the writings of John, you could bathe a baby in them and you could drown an elephant in them. Talking about the depth you can read it and understand it, yet you can also go much, much deeper if you would like to. And, and we're going to go a bit deeper, and that's why, as I already warned you, we're only going to get to verse 1 today. So, these, these pastoral letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, are written, uh, most theologians think they were written in order to dispel some, some misunderstanding. See, the... the, the there was a group called the, the Gnostics, it's very particularly the Docetic Gnostics, that looked at the Gospel of John and thought, well, this aligns with our way of thinking. Now, the, the, the way Gnostics think, the spirit and the flesh are so different that it doesn't matter what you do in the flesh because the spirit's the only thing that matters. And so you can sin all you want in the flesh because it won't affect your spirit. Now, I think, honestly, this heresy still uh, is among us today. We still see, for instance, the transgender debate. We see people saying that they have the spirit of a woman in a man's body, or vice versa. That's such a, a separation of the spirit and the flesh that it doesn't make sense anymore. It's a Gnostic belief to think that we're that, that far separate Because what did Jesus say? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. God made us as one. Paul said, let your bodies be a living sacrifice. We can't separate the body and the spirit the way the Gnostics do. And and again, I think the, uh, the idea of the transgender debate is that comes from a Gnostic belief that, that the spirit and the body are so separate that it doesn't matter what the, that the spirit, you just do what the spirit wants with the flesh. That's their idea. 
Now, the reason this is important is because in the, in the Gnostic belief of this time, what they said was that Jesus came, he was God, and he came, but he didn't come in the flesh because flesh is evil. Flesh is inherently evil. So Jesus couldn't have inherited or inhabited the flesh. So he came, but he was just a vision. He was just, you know, sort of a, they just saw him, but he was not real. He was not fully human. He was fully God, but not fully human. And so John, many theologians think, John writes the first, second, and third John, these pastoral letters, to correct this idea that Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. And so that's where we get uh, in, in, uh, in 1 John. So let's read all of the first verse of 1 John. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. There's so much here. There's so much here because he, he's, he's noticed that he starts out with the beginning. What was from the beginning? Now, that's how he starts his gospel also. Gospel of John starts with in the beginning. Where else do we see that? Genesis starts with in the beginning. So I want you to think about in the beginning. I want you to think about what that means. Because when, when, when God says it in Genesis 1.1, it's the beginning of creation. It's not the beginning of God, right? I mean, God pre-existed creation. So it's not the beginning of God. It's the beginning of creation. So it's not a beginning in the sense of starting something that has never been. It's a start of something new. God existed. God is. God was. And then creation started in the beginning. That's, that, that's important to understand because that's what John is telling us. That what was in the beginning, he's saying first of all that Jesus pre-existed creation. Because he's tying it back to, to John the Gospel and tying it back to Genesis 1.1. But even greater than this is the idea that this is a new beginning. This is a change, a start of something different. In Genesis 2.10... In the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament, this word is used for beginning. And it's used for when one river becomes four. In Genesis 2.10, if you look, one river becomes four. And so it's a beginning of four rivers, but it's from water that preexisted. It's from water that was already flowing. That's the way John uses in the beginning. The beginning is not the beginning of God. It's not the beginning of Jesus. It's the beginning of something new with Jesus. When Jesus comes, everything's new. Every, every, he, God has intervened in human history and said, I love you. He is, God has intervened in human history, so nothing is the same ever again. John is never the same again. You and I are never the same again. If, you have, if you're a believer in Christ, you have an in-the-beginning story. You have a story that says, my life was going this way, it was flowing along, and then Jesus. 
And so now my life is different. My life has changed. My life has transformed. I'm a new river going a new direction. That's the way John uses in the beginning. So we're going to continue to see how John refers us back to what he said in his gospel. John 1.14 The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. Glory as the one and only Son of the Father full of grace and truth. We're going to see that John continually goes back to what he said there. He's, he's telling us, in the beginning, God intervened and changed human history. He changed everything. He changed creation. He changed time. He changed everything when Jesus came. That's the beginning. Jesus pre-existed this beginning, but it's a new beginning for you and I. It's a new beginning for every believer. So, and then he, said, he goes on and he says, what we've heard, what we've seen with our eyes, what we've observed and touched with our hands. And, and, I, and I wrote a, a more literal translation of this because the Greek, he chooses the Greek very carefully here. And it would say, that which we have heard and can still hear ringing in our ears. That which we have seen and can still see in our mind's eye. That which we gazed upon as amazed, and that which we, that we handled with our hands to investigate for ourselves. John is using this, this very careful Greek construction to show us that, that what he saw, what he heard, what he touched has changed him forever. He uses the, that, that's the Greek construct that says it's something that happened in the past but still has present day effect. And so that's what he's saying here. He says that, that he heard the words of Jesus. He heard the words of the disciples. He heard of the, the words of the people that Jesus healed or cast demons out of or, or whatever it was that he heard. And everything that he heard, he still can hear. Have you ever had a song stuck in your head? This is the song that's stuck in John's head. Everything that he heard from Jesus and about Jesus as he followed Jesus for that three years. And then he says, everything I've seen and can still see. Do you, have you ever seen something that, that just sticks in your mind? There are images that, that you can still today, no matter how long ago it was, you can still today see it in your head. That's what what John is saying about what he saw of Jesus. So what did he see of Jesus? He saw Jesus do miracles. He saw Jesus heal people. He saw Jesus walk on water. He saw Jesus uh, casting out demons. He saw Jesus on a cross dead. And he saw Jesus rise from the dead and, and, and show up in a locked room where John was. That's everything that, Jesus, that John has seen of Jesus during all of this ministry. John is saying, I can still see it. It's in my head. I have these pictures in my mind. They're still in my mind's eye. And then he says, what we have observed. And this is the idea. I, I translated that as gazed upon as if amazed. This, uh, the idea of this uh, construct here is like when you see the Grand Canyon. It's just something that you can't put into words. It's just looking at something that you can, can't put into words. 
This is so beautiful, so majestic, so amazing that I can't put it into words. That's what John is saying about everything he saw from Jesus. He was amazed. He gazed upon it as if amazed. And then it says everything that he touched with his hands, literally handling with our hands to investigate for ourselves. I want you to think about something. John was with Jesus. This is not a second-hand account or a third-hand account. John, the writer of this, was with Jesus. John hugged Jesus. John, in fact, in John 13, it says that John laid on Jesus' chest. You know, John knows what Jesus smelled like. Have you ever thought about that? John knew Jesus that well. He touched him. So he's not only saying to the Gnostics, you're wrong. He was fully human. He was fully God, but he was fully human. He's not only just telling this to the Gnostics. He's reminding us that he walked around with Jesus. He hugged Jesus. He ate with Jesus. He laid on Jesus' chest. He knows what Jesus feels like. He knows what Jesus sounds like. He knows what Jesus looks like. He knows what Jesus smells like. He knows everything there is about Jesus. And so he's telling us what we need to know. That's why we're taking this, this, uh, this letter so slowly and carefully. Because this guy has a lot to tell us about our Savior. Because he knows him. There's also some terms in the writings of John. John 1, 2, 3 John and Revelation. There's some terms and some names for Jesus that are only in John's writings. One of those is he calls Jesus the word of life. Now, I want you to consider that for a minute. Because the word of life, now he calls Jesus the word because he is the, 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 the revelation of God to us. He tells us what's on the heart and mind of God. He knows everything about the heart and mind of God because He is God. And so He's telling us, Jesus tells us the Word of God that way. He is also the, the culmination of the communication of God. God has spoken to us from Genesis all the way through the, the Scripture. And when Jesus comes, He culminates everything that God had to tell us. He fulfills the law. He fulfills the prophet, all of the prophets. He fulfills everything. So he's the culmination of everything God had to tell us, all in Jesus. Now, there was also at this time a prevailing belief in what's called the logos. Now, the logos is the word for word in Greek. Logos is word in Greek. Now, they believed that there was this, this, this force, this invisible force called the Logos that, that caused things to happen and kept things from happening. It's, it's very much like our understanding of fate today. When you, when you think about fate, you think about things happen because they were fated to or don't happen because they were fated to. Um, that, that was their idea of the Logos. And so what John's telling these people, these Greeks that already believe in the Logos, he's saying, you know that, that, that divine power 
that you're talking about that's behind everything? I know who that is. I've seen him. I've heard him. I've touched him. I know the Logos. So he is life. He is the Word from God. He is the Word. He is the life. He is the Word of life. So, clearly John is better at this than I am. Because he wrote one sentence. In fact, we didn't even finish the sentence. We just finished the introduction. And I've stood up here and talked about it for 20 or 25 minutes. He communicated all of this in this simple introduction. Jesus is fully God, fully man. He is the word of life. He is eternal life. He is, and everything that John saw and heard and touched, he can still see and hear and feel. He knew Jesus very well. He knew that if you wanted to know God, you needed to know Jesus. John gives us, right from the beginning here, a personal encounter. He personally encountered Jesus. And, and so everything he saw and everything he heard and everything that, that, that he touched of Jesus still with him changed his life. Went from his life going along as a fisherman to being a fisherman of men. Changed him forever. He had a new beginning from Jesus. So I must ask you, have you had a personal encounter with Jesus? Do you know him? Do you hear from him? Do you, do you see him in your mind's eye? Do you know Jesus? Have you had a personal encounter with him? Have you had a new beginning in him? That's what John calls us to. John calls us to a new beginning in, the, in Jesus Christ, fully man, fully God, who came to die in your place on that cross, my place on that cross. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and just consider that question. Have I had a personal encounter with Jesus? Do I have a new beginning in Jesus, because you can. You can in a simple prayer this morning. Pray along with me in your own words and say, God, I understand that I have sin. I've done things wrong. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I'm going to trust that Jesus died in my place on that cross. He died to save me to pay my price for my sin. And so I ask you to forgive me, not because of anything I can do or, or ever will do, but because of what Jesus has done. And I ask you to come into my life, give me this new beginning that I read about from John. If you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, you let somebody know. Come and let me know. Elbow your neighbor, let them know. Let somebody know, I, I had a personal encounter this morning, and I am new. 
of a new beginning. Maybe this morning you know Christ. But as you think about the last couple of weeks, it hasn't been about Him. It's been about you. Your wants, your needs, your desires, not His. Will you take this moment to rededicate to following Jesus? Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you, Father, that, that, you, that you came in human form and John encountered you and it changed his life and it changes our lives when we encounter you. We thank you for new beginnings. We thank you for our relationship with you through him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.